Good morning and welcome to Naples United Church of Christ here in Naples, Florida. We are honored to have you worshiping with us this morning or joining us uh, by watching the archive or downloading the audio podcast. No matter how it is that you are worshiping with us, we are glad that you are uh, with us, especially if you're worshiping with us for the first time. My name is Dawson Taylor and I serve as senior minister. And I'm Deb Kaiser Cross, and I serve as Minister for Congregational Care here. Again, we are uh, blessed to have you with us this morning. We want to let you know about some of the things that are happening in the life of the congregation. First is our midweek meditation services continue. And uh, this Wednesday, Deb, I believe you're preaching. I am. Correct? And uh, we will also be welcoming Rebecca Richardson and Dan Heck as our guest musicians. And so it's going to be a, a, a fantastic uh, day of uh, worship on Wednesday. 30 minutes, Facebook live, live stream, a wonderful opportunity to just recenter, reset in the middle of the week. And so uh, we hope that you'll uh, join us for that as well. And speaking of Wednesday, Wednesday evening, we will continue our clergy roundtable on the Book of Joy. Yeah. And I really love this particular chapter. It's on the obstacles to joy. And yeah. in light of what we're going through, it's a particularly um, important chapter for us. Yeah, I, I kind of noticed the, uh, shall we say, robust number of questions that you offer to <laughs> us for discussion. Uh, I think you're facilitating that one, right? I because am. Yeah, you I have am. a busy day on Wednesday, but uh, yeah, you just uh, put out those questions this morning. I and did. I thought, okay, how many pages of questions do you have, Deb? So uh, no, it's going to be good. But, but you're right. I mean, uh, I don't think it will be difficult to find uh, obstacles no. to, uh, to visit about. So not at all. Uh, so we hope that you'll join us at five o'clock uh, for that. And again, another thing to remember is that uh, anything that happens that we record uh, will also be archived. And then something that we're adding about the clergy roundtable is it's also being added to our podcast. Oh. So uh, that's something that you can also download for our podcast. Excellent. And now we get to talk about Mighty Mask Ministry, but I'm not sure I can talk with it on, but you can see it anyway. How's that? So okay. you told me you would be the model, but you really tricked me yeah, into I being did. the model. Okay, Just yeah. saying. Yeah, Just saying. Right. So we have this amazing Mighty Mask ministry that is encouraging people to sew some masks for people who might be needing them. And thus far, we have sent out 40 masks, and we're also hoping to get about 25 more masks for our PCA teachers when they go back to work. And so anybody who's sewing please um we could still use some i'm personally waiting for elastic to come before i finish the mask that are sitting in my house so yeah, i'm excited I, about that i had that. another church member mention that to me uh via social media the other day and i i assured them that we had elastic on the way you know i was okay. shopping yesterday and had my mask on and uh, someone asked me if my wife had made that for me and um, i quickly assured them that that was not the case but rather um, some people in my church had made it for me and they thought that was really cool that we had that ministry so it is cool i'm really grateful for that yeah and then we're trying something uh new uh this week and that is you know we gosh probably two 
uh, membership opportunities had to be canceled because of, uh, of the uh, COVID-19. And so we're going to try a virtual evening with your pastor this Thursday night at six o'clock. And uh, what we're going to do is uh, David and Deb and Sharon and myself are going to host a Zoom uh, virtual evening with your pastor. And so we would invite you, if you are interested in knowing more about the church, if you'd like to get to know one of the four of us better, if you would uh, like to ask a question about the church, uh, to sign up to be a part of that. And the best way to do that will be to email Wendy uh, here in the church office, wendy at naplesucc.org. And what she will do is get back to you with uh, Zoom instructions as well as the meeting ID, and she will ensure that you have everything you need, and then uh, we'll get together Thursday evening, and uh, we're going to try this out, see what it happens. It should be interesting. Uh, interesting is never a problem. No, and I get to be the bearer of really great news, a great thank you to the people in this congregation and beyond it. Um, each Easter, we collect money for what's called the Easter flower offering. And in lieu of having extensive flowers in the chancel, we um, offer that money to a mission partner. And this year, thus far, we have collected $17,283 for Harry Chapin Food Bank from um, this collection, and it is um, eligible for a match, so you can only imagine how much good it's going to do in the community. And then on Easter itself, we do an Easter offering, and I wanted to tell you that we collected $3,810 for that for the David Lawrence Center for Mental Health Outreach to Faith Communities. So, a huge thank you to this amazing, generous congregation. Well, and a tremendous thank you to you and to the Board of Mission and Outreach who are doing such tremendous work, um, always doing such tremendous work, but especially in this time. Uh, so I'm grateful for your leadership and for uh, Dave Hindman and Jane Berry and all of Board of Mission and Outreach for the tremendous uh, creativity in which they're going about their work. You know, I was thinking about, you know, we were talking this morning about the David Lawrence Center and you know, I was thinking about, there's a lot of attention being paid to uh, the needs of those who are hungry and the, the financial crisis. But you know, I, you're a therapist, a licensed therapist, but I, you know, so I'm probably preaching the choir, but it seems like the, the mental health support that's needed uh, in our community and beyond doesn't seem to get much attention. It, it's kind of a hidden thing at right. the moment. I suspect as time goes on, we will hear much more about it. Yeah. So I'm really grateful that uh, uh, the Easter offering gift went to help address and help churches address uh, the mental health needs uh, that we will undoubtedly be facing. So that I think that's in a very exciting uh, part of that. And then I want to just let you know a worship thing is that uh, after the pastoral prayer and Lord's Prayer, we will have a video music response, meaning that we've actually pulled a video segment from a, uh, I think it's a midweek meditation, but we'll be switching to a video, and uh, then we'll be back live, and so I just don't want you to be startled by that. But one of the things that we're uh, working on is using different uh, mediums and different opportunities to uh, continue to diversify our worship, and so I just want to give you a heads up about that. So indeed, as a mission-driven congregation, let us center our hearts and our minds as we begin worship this morning. Mind and prayer, let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. 
And we ask, oh God, that in this time of worship, you would speak either through me or in spite of me. But that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. It was Easter afternoon and we are introduced to a pair of travelers, one named Cleopas, and we do not know the identity of the other. It's not a stretch to believe that it could have been a woman, perhaps Cleopas's wife, but scripture often leaves women unaccounted for and or unnamed. Not for that matter, we do not know much about their destination. Emmaus is seven miles away from Jerusalem, but north, south, east, or west, we have no idea because the scripture doesn't tell us. They had been in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, a religious obligation for every faithful Jewish male living within 15 miles of the city. And then they were also following Jesus of Nazareth, the young rabbi who had been making such an impact with his preaching, his teaching, and his healing. Word had begun to spread that this Jesus might actually be the Messiah. God's anointed one who would lead the people and throw off the yoke of the Roman oppression. But the hopes had been dashed. As everyone knows, this Jesus ended up not on a throne, but on the cross of crucifixion condemned by those who were threatened by the popularity and the power of Jesus. There had been a moment of confusion earlier that morning when some women had gone to the tomb and started this rumor that Jesus had been raised from the dead. But most people weren't taking the news very seriously. Nonsense, they said. Peter had been to the grave as well, but he did not see Jesus, only a shroud that laid in the corner of the tomb. And what would you make of that? So discouraged, Cleopas and the unnamed one head back to Emmaus, where nothing ever happened to continue their lives again and to try to put out of their minds the terrible memory of what had happened in Jerusalem. They barely seem to notice the stranger who begins to walk with them and joins in the conversation. Of course, we know who the stranger is, the risen Christ but Cleopas and company do not. Jesus listens patiently until finally the text implies that he had had enough. 
Wouldn't you figure that at some point on this journey that the travelers would have gotten more than an inkling of who had joined them? I mean, were they blind, either physically or spiritually? They had known Jesus in Jerusalem. Was he somehow incognito? Some scholars have suggested that they were too grief-stricken, too shaken by what they had seen to recognize the risen Christ. Sorrow can do that, make us numb to what we see. The journey is ending, the sun is beginning to set, the evening approaches and Emmaus is near. Cleopas does what any good Middle Easterner would do. He offers hospitality. Despite initial reluctance, Jesus finally agrees. They sit down to dinner, the bread, the cup, and then Scripture tells us Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. Why at that moment? Was it because the light from the lamp finally hit Jesus' face just right or because they had been perhaps at the Last Supper and had seen him do this before? Or was it because they finally looked deeply at the stranger with whom they had been walking and eating? Whatever it was, they recognized Jesus as the one who had been with them the entire time. And as quickly as they recognize him, he vanishes. There are some interesting things to note about our story this morning. The people who were on the road to Emmaus were biblically literate. The stories that the mysterious stranger told them were not unfamiliar, but still they did not catch on. And I wonder if there's a message in there for us today. I don't know about you, but there are people who I know that can quote scripture till the cows come home, as we say in Texas. Some of them clergy even. But I'd be hard pressed to identify their behavior as Christian. It was Jesus who set the standard when he told the 12 in the upper room By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Asked by a persistent reporter to define the meaning of jazz, legendary trumpeter Louis Armstrong is reported to have answered, if you have to ask the question, you'll never know. Something similar is true of Jesus' revelation of himself in our lesson today. 
we do not necessarily reach Jesus by our own efforts. We know Jesus best because Jesus chooses to reveal himself to us humbly and personally. He does not show up before the throne of the emperor in Rome demanding to be vindicated. Rather, Jesus falls in beside a couple of dispirited wanderers who are winding their way home after having their hopes dashed. And I believe that is the word of hope for us in these days. If you find yourself reaching for hope and trying harder and harder to find it and coming up more and more empty-handed, this is the Eastertide message for you and for me. Jesus appears to those who have lost hope or who question where God might be. Jesus appears to those whose tears fall easily and think that they are at the end of their rope. Jesus appears to those who thought that 2020 was going to be a very different year than what it has turned out to be. Jesus appears to those who worry, wonder, wander, and wait for this to all be over. The way I see it, inviting Jesus to stay for dinner was the only opportunity for Cleopas to actually glimpse the face of Jesus. It's like what the Hebrews tell us, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for in doing so, you have entertained angels without knowing it. The world around us is more full of God than we often recognize. Sometimes you look at someone and if the light is just right or the moment intimate enough, there is something of God there. The Irish call it the thin places. Those places where the veil between heaven and earth is sheer. Frederick Buechner has written, sacred moments, the moments of miracle, are often everyday moments. The moments which, if we, did not, if we do not look with more than our eyes or listen with more than our ears, reveal only a garden, a stranger coming down the road behind us, a meal like any other meal. But if we look with our hearts, if we listen with our being and our imagination, what we may see is Jesus himself. In his wonderful book, Open Secrets, 
Rick Lishner, who taught preaching at Duke Divinity School, tells about his experiences as a newly ordained Lutheran pastor in southern Illinois. In his stories, he includes Buster Tolan's funeral. Buster was a mechanic at the local garage. His wife, Beulah, drank too much and was high on drugs most of the time. They argued loudly and profanely and bitterly. And in the middle of a huge shouting match when he came home for lunch one day and there was no lunch, Buster dropped dead. Dead before he hit the floor, Beulah said, at least 100 times to anyone who would listen. Buster was a rascal, and his death made the entire community feel apprehensive and worried about his utterly dysfunctional family. Young Pastor Lishner helped Beulah develop the funeral plans and worked to negotiate with the funeral director. Beulah kept insisting on the most expensive casket and the most expensive and elaborate arrangements because she owed it to Buster. The idyllic young minister managed to alienate the funeral director and infuriate his board of trustees in the process. Finally, the day of the funeral arrived, complete with open casket in the narthex of the church. The service, well, it was a disaster. Beulah wailed at the top of her lungs through the entire service and through Lishner's sermon. He concluded quickly by reminding the congregation that Buster had been a good Marine and a good father, and now the church would assume greater responsibility for the family. And then the congregation moved to the little cemetery on the hill behind the church. The casket was lowered into the grave. Lichter said the words of committal, and it was over. And then the military phase was about to begin. Four uniformed veterans from the local VFW formed an honor guard and fired their rifles on command three times over the heads of the congregation. There was even a bugler for the occasion. Twelve-year-old Mariah Siemens standing halfway up the hill in a pink jumper with a thin white sweater draped over her shoulders. Her new cornet caught the sunlight just as she was about to give the performance of her young life. Her mother stood beside her to hold her music and to steady her child. Then Mariah began to play. But she didn't play taps. She played four stanzas 
of, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Arcing each note across the ravine toward the mourners on the hill. It was, Lichner wrote, as if her music were a time-delayed message coming to us from a saner and more beautiful world. Standing in the lumpy mud of the cemetery, Lichner said he could see Easter. Sometimes when our hopes are dashed, the risen Christ appears unexpectedly and our eyes are opened. And we meet Jesus again, perhaps for the first time.